Gosh, good to see everybody. Thank you for being here today. Listen, um, we're going to jump right in, and by jumping in, we're going to ask you to stand, and we're going to read um, the uh, scripture from John chapter 8, verse 36. The title of the sermon today is Freedom. hope that's appropriate. So John chapter 8, verse 36, and uh, here's what it says. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I'm going to read that one more time since it's so short. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of God for the people of God. All right, Lord, uh, I just ask you to open up our hearts today, Father. I pray that you do a little spiritual surgery on us and um, just reveal to us our sin. Help us to open ourselves uh, up to the receiving of the Spirit today and the power of the gospel, Lord. I just pray that you do a work in and through me and the congregation today. May we be attentive to what you're trying to say to us, Lord. We just thank you. We praise you. And the whole church said, amen. You can be seated. So before I begin the sermon, as you're taking a seat, I want to make sure I don't miss acknowledging the fact that this is the, like Chris said, this is the first day of Buncombe Street Methodist Church. Um, it's a pretty significant moment in our history. We're no longer a Buncombe Street United Methodist Church. We've been Buncombe Street United Methodist Church since 1968. And so since 1968, uh, on this day or around this day, we have pastors being appointed, like today, all over the state. And we're not receiving one of those appointments. Um, I've been hired by the church. So, uh, and Grover's been hired by the church. Well, I wasn't looking for applause, but we'll take it. Um, and I wanted to expand more on kind of what that means, um, but I don't think, I'm, I know I'm not doing that today because I thought a lot about it, and I realized that the, the weekend of 4th of July is the weekend that everybody celebrates their independence from the church. So um, I, I didn't really want to do all that today because I'm thankful you're here, okay? But a lot of folks don't come on this day, so I kind of want to save that. I hope you'll be getting some communication this week about some things we're doing moving forward, and, and I hope in the fall we'll have a big celebration about who we are and um, and kind of this new chapter. But basically, hey, we need to be excited because we're starting something new, we're building something new, and we're going to need you. So, uh, And you'll hear more when we have this series uh, called Pray, Serve, Give. So, um, so with that, let's jump in. Once again, we're fast uh, approaching 4th of July, and I'm curious this morning as to how you guys celebrate. What are you doing on the 4th of July? If I'm honest with you, it seems like every year from the time I grew up until now, um, the 4th of July usually involves lighting something on fire or blowing something up. <laughs> I mean, we usually have the traditional taking a bottle rocket that is unstable, putting a bottle rocket in it, you light it, hey y'all watch this, you run off, um, wait for it to go off, and a lot of times it doesn't light, and then you have to go back and everybody's all nervous, and then finally it goes off and everybody screams and everybody's like, do it again, Right? Uh, I didn't share this this morning at the service, but I remember specifically a couple of years we did some things. I, um, I, I remember one year we didn't have fireworks, and so if you know anything about hunting or, or hunting shotguns, we took all of our plugs out of our shotguns so that we could put five shells in. Everybody just shot the shotguns off on the count of five. I remember one year we took a propane tank, we made a homemade propane thrower, and we a uh, flamethrower, and we shot it off on the 4th of July with some college friends. So um, why am I telling you this? I guess what I want to say is that across America, there's going to be people doing these sort of things this week. Uh, they'll be wearing red, white, and blue and grilling out and lighting stuff on fire. And the real question about all this is why in the world are we doing this? Does anybody really understand what this holiday is all about? 
Now, for a lot of people, they're just celebrating the fact that they have Monday and Tuesday off work, um, if you have Monday off. But what are we actually celebrating our independence from? That's a really important question on Independence Day. And I think it's hard to condense what Fourth of July is into a short synopsis. Uh, there's obviously movies and books and that can expound, expound on that, but the basics is that we're celebrating our independence as a nation this week. Uh, we're commemorating the adoption of the Declaration of Independence that declared the original colonies free from British rule. And there is a ton that could be said on how our country got to this point, and I won't go into all that. I'll save it for the history professors and the, the teachers. But what I want to ask you is, what does this have to do with the church? What does Independence Day have to do with the church? Why should we pause and recognize Independence Day as a congregation? I would say that, number one, we need to praise God for this country. We just need to be incredibly thankful for the country that we live in. Would you agree with that? I know we don't have everything perfect, but we need to be incredibly thankful for the freedoms we have in this country, especially religious freedoms. I don't think sometimes we recognize what it's like to have the religious liberties we do and how blessed we are, because sometimes you don't realize what you got until you don't have it anymore. And we are really privileged in this country to be able to argue publicly over the color of the carpet in the church, um, the budget, what time the worship services are. Well, we get caught in all that, and sometimes we need to stop and recognize that we live in a place where we have the religious freedoms to simply get up and do this, and we need to praise God for that. I also think today, along Memorial Day and Veterans Day, we just need to be thankful for the people who have made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf so that we can do this. Um, so that's one reason. But the other reason is I think we need to recognize what freedom has to do with Christianity. We need to recognize that freedom, true freedom, only comes from Jesus Christ. You realize that? That there's freedoms all over the world like, you know, like the freedom we're celebrating this week. That we can be freed as a nation, that we can be freed from prison, that we can be freed from addiction, we can be freed from debt, we can be freed from all those things and celebrate them, but nothing sets you free permanently, eternally, like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only true chain breaker. He is the true independent celebrator. I mean, if there's an Independence Day, it should be the day that we gave our life to Jesus Christ. Because we are set free from sin. We are set free from the bondage of sin. Are you with me? So when we celebrate our independence, we must remember, man, it's awesome and praise God. But we also must remember the one true giver of true freedom comes from the one God that we have who lived and died for us. I'm sure there were plenty of people that were set free from the British, but they were still held in bondage to their sin. I imagine being an American patriot was so exciting to know that you had been set free as a country. You declared your independence, that you were willing to die for it. But they may have, some of them may have missed that Jesus Christ was the one who set them free eternally. You see, sometimes the thing about Satan is that he loves to bind you. But, but the real thing with Satan is he likes to trick you into thinking that you've been set free by something other than him that there's something else that will actually make you happy. You might celebrate, I've been set free from a marriage. I got divorced finally. And you go, finally, everything's going to be better. Or you might go, I finally paid off my house and all my debt. Everything's going to be better. 
or I got set free from prison. Maybe you've been in there and you go, gosh, everything's going to be better. But nothing is going to be better until you have Christ at the center because you will jump from one bondage to the next. You see, Jesus creates freedom from within us. Everything else is an external freedom that we're given and praise God for some of them. But the eternal freedom comes from the Holy Spirit that lives within us that goes, I've conquered sin and death. See, I was thinking this week about, well, I was thinking about you. And I was thinking about me. And I was thinking about our situation in this church. And I was going, uh, do we have any people that will get an analogy about prison? And I was going, I might have a few. Do we have anybody that would understand what it truly means to be free as a nation? We might have a few that fought and sacrificed their lives. But I started thinking about what are people in our congregation held prisoner to? Like, what are we held prisoner to? And I would include myself in the category. What would you say it is? Somebody this morning said, money. I said, well, that was a good one. I should have used that one. I think we're held prisoner to our busyness. I just look around at how busy everybody is. Is anybody in here busy? There's a few. Now, I got a sermon on lying next week, and we're going to expound on that and kind of talk about it and, you know, understanding self. We're going to talk about these things. You're busy. I know you're busy because we'll be like, hey, let's get lunch. You'll be like, okay, let's see. if Maybe we can pull it off in 2027. We're all busy. We're so busy. I don't even know if we know what we're doing. We're so busy. We worship the almighty Google calendar. I mean, you really think about what are we doing all the time? We've got to make sure our children become professional athletes. That ain't happening. It might, slim chance. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, we, we excel at work and have the big house and make sure that we make lots of money and make sure, you know, that... You know, we, we eat with all of our friends and make sure that we go out to dinner with the right people and make sure we're in the right clubs and make sure that we do the right sports. And, but we're busy. And so I was thinking about the bondage of busyness. And I was going, okay, I'm looking at my own life and we feel busy a lot. We're like, we're too busy. So I was like, well, maybe we break the bondage of busyness. So how do you break the bondage of busyness? Well, there's a few things you can do. You can get better at scheduling. You can learn to say no. Um, you can get a life coach. You can do some of those things. But it's not really where true freedom is found. See, if you don't have Christ and you become unbusy, you still don't have peace. Now, use the example of a prisoner. You take a prisoner in jail. A prisoner in jail can still have freedom. I bet you ask some Kairos people. It's a ministry in our church that ministers the prisoners. They can have freedom if they have Christ. Paul was a prisoner, and Paul talked about freedom in Christ. If he was bound to anything, he was bound to Jesus. So you can be in prison, and you can still be free. Now, here's the other thing about being a prisoner. You can be let go from prison and still be bound if you don't have Christ. 
See, if you don't have him, you don't have the peace and the joy and the love and, and all the fruit of the spirit. And so we're still bound. So you could take debt, for instance. You can go, gosh, man, if I become debt free, I'll just feel this weight lifted off. But you can still be a prisoner and be debt free. If you don't have Christ at the center of your heart, you see Christ is the peace giver. You see, you can be busy and still have peace if you have Christ. You can be in prison and still be free if you have Christ. Jesus is the peace giver. Jesus is the, is, the, is the chain breaker, the way maker. He's it. So a lot of times we spend trying to band-aid the problem when the solution is in our relationship with him and time with him. You know, I, if you look at sin, sin has its grips on us in multiple ways. I was thinking about the ways that Jesus sets us free from sin Three, three P's I was thinking about. He sets us free from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. He sets us free from the penalty of sin by justification on the cross. Like there's a penalty that we're due, that you walk around with doomed for death and doomed for hell with the weight of that on your shoulders in this world if you recognize your theology and who Jesus is and without him that you're condemned to hell. But when you believe in Jesus, the Bible says in Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. And so the condemnation is lifted and so the bondage is lifted. So the, the, the penalty is lifted. Then, then there's the power of sin. You see, sin has great power over you if you don't have Jesus. You still fight it when you have him because you got the flesh and you got the spirit, but sin has great power. You ask somebody who's stuck in a sin and they cannot get out, whether it be drinking, whether it be pornography, whether it be drugs, whether it be an affair, whatever you want to name, it's hard to get out of it if you're stuck in it and Satan has his grips on you. But through the power of Christ, Jesus is the one who can break the chain. People say, go see a counselor. That's good, but Jesus is the ultimate chain breaker. So Christ came to set us free from the power of sin, and then he came to set us free from the presence of sin. And oh my goodness, I about stepped out of the pulpit this morning and started walking around. I got so excited in traditional service. I try to stay in there in traditional service. I really try to keep myself... I just, I feel more comfortable. I don't know about the people. I just, you know. <clears throat> but you think about the presence of sin, that we're going to be in the presence of sin for the rest of this life. We'll be in the presence of it. Now, you'll have victory over it through Christ, but you'll be in the presence of it. See, Paul says, why do I not do the things that I should do? And I do the things I don't want to do when I want to do the things I should. And that's because of the presence of sin. Well, one day, we're going to step out of this world and into the next and there will be no presence of sin. Praise God. That's going to be a good day. That's going to be a good day to get a bag of popcorn or whatever you do in heaven and celebrate because we will be rid of sin. Can you imagine? I know this is probably my, it feels like a repetitive part of my sermon each week, but can you imagine? Like, I don't know if anybody was hurting this week. Do you have any pain? Like your knee hurt, your back hurt, have a headache. Anybody feel frustrated this week? Anybody feel angry with your spouse, angry with your kids? Anybody kick the dog? Anybody um, get mad at a loved one? Anybody say something ugly to your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, or your daughter-in-law, your son-in-law? Anybody get angry with your boss? Anybody get angry with your employee? Um, anybody have too much to drink? Um, anybody look at something you shouldn't have looked at? Anybody deal with any sin this week? That's all going to be gone one day. 
Like, can you imagine not having the struggle and the weight and the freedom of that when you're like, body doesn't hurt, mind doesn't hurt, spirit doesn't hurt, in the presence of God, in the presence of my loved ones, never have to worry about again, victory over sin and death, from here on out, eternal victory in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Hey, that sounds pretty good to me. I don't even think we know what it's like to trade this in for that. I think we're so stuck in this, we don't even know about that. We just kind of think about that. We go, oh yeah, that sounds nice. Man, I'm going to tell you what, if you've been there and you come back, I bet you cut some cartwheels. Because you could imagine what it would be like to be without this, to turn in the temporary for the eternal, for sin to be conquered forever. Sin is so saturated in our culture. It's so saturated in who we are. We don't even, we, we can't even, we can't even understand it. It's so saturated as a part of us. We're born into it. We're literally born with original sin. You look at a baby and you go, oh, he or she's so precious and cute. They're filled with sin and it comes out <laughs> in a diaper huh? <laughs> when you have a baby, but they're sinful. They're sinful. And then as we grow up, it just gets, you know, it gets more and more intertwined in our culture and in our world. And we don't even realize that sin is here. When Jesus spoke to the Jews, he said, uh, let me see where my notes. He said, John 8, 31 through 37. He was speaking to them, and this is, this is what he said. He said, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth. Listen, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And remember, he's speaking to the Jews. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. Now listen to that. They said they've never been in bondage. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Listen, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Somebody say that with me. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Say it like a freed people. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And these Jews, their ancestors have been held in bondage, but they're going, we haven't been held in bondage. We don't have any slavery. There's no bondage for us. We're Abraham's descendants. We're God's chosen people. And Jesus is going, no, 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 you don't get it. You think you have it, but you're actually held in bondage by your sin. And that's really who we are today. We go, gosh, I've been set free. I got this, I got that. I'm doing great. But if you don't deal with the sin, you'll never get to the root of the unhappiness. It's, it's Jesus who sets us free. So, um, if you need to be set free today, uh, I'll offer you Jesus. As simple as that. He's He's here. He's here, and the Bible says that he will live and reign within your heart. And he will come in and begin to cleanse your heart. And he'll begin to show you where your sin is. See, if you don't know where your sin is, you get, if you invite Jesus in, it's not like it just all goes away. But he begins to convict. He begins to convict. And when he convicts, then the Holy Spirit begins to bring about in your heart a desire for confession and repentance. And when you confess and repent, then your heart, you begin to shed the weight of sin, and you begin to feel freer. But you have to be able to acknowledge it, and that's the power of the Spirit and through His Word. And so we're coming to the communion table today, and man, I love communion. I just love communion. Don't you love communion? We're going to do a series in August called Communion. 
And we're going to underline the union, and we're going to talk about, it's church-wide. We're going to do communion every week in traditional, communion every week in here. And uh, I'm really excited about this. But we're going to talk about the power of communion, and we're going to talk about the importance of us coming together to make disciples right now. And I remind you as you come to this table, it's a time to prepare your heart for redemption. It's a time to prepare your heart for the receiving of Jesus. It's not a snack. Okay? I know at the 11 o'clock service, some of your stomachs are growling. I remember that feeling when I was a kid, and I'd be like, oh, communion is a snack. It's not a snack. It's not, it's not a piece of bread and a, well, and here we dip it. A bit of juice. It is the body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who lived, died, and on the third day was resurrected for you. So don't rush it like a buffet. Don't run up here and go, got to get my communion so I can get out. Sit and remember that he died for you. Take serious the confession and the repentance Don't come if you're not good with your neighbor or if you're not good with God and you don't reconcile with them. In other words, you you got to go, God, forgive me of my sin between my neighbor and between you before I receive this. Make my heart right. And then after that, seek out reconciliation with them.